Hey, we are in week two of our fall kickoff series. We're calling Lean In. And, you know, we're heading into fall, so we need to make sure we don't stray off of our mission. Here we have a a vision statement or mission statement, whatever you want to call it. And it's reach up, rise up, reach out. And this is what Good Hope Church is all about. We're about reaching up. You know, a real relationship with the living God is available to you. We're here to connect with God and then rise up. A real relationship with the living God will change you. You know, we're here to get better. We're here to to grow in our relationship with God and in our spiritual walk and then reach out. A real relationship with the living God is a call to action. So we are here to make a difference in this world, to help other people, to lift people up, be an encouragement and a strengthening in this world. So reach up, rise up, reach out is our vision statement. And we're talking about leaning in, leaning in. Last week, leaning into our relationship with God. We want to lean in. I think we all know what it's like to just go through the motions, but I hope you know what it's like to be excited about something, to be enthusiastic and, and to be ready to go and you're just jumping in. Now, there's an important key to leaning into things and that is that you've got to prioritize. You can't say yes to everything. If you say yes to everything, pretty soon your life is pretty miserable and uh, you can't enjoy aggressively stepping into different things in your life. And so what we need to do is prioritize. And what should the person of faith's highest priorities be? You know, I think love God, love your neighbor. Talked about that last week. You know, our connection with God maybe growing in our faith, making a difference in this world. Last week, we talked again about your relationship with God. This week, we talk about leaning in to our personal spiritual growth. This is something that should be at a high priority, leaning in to our personal spiritual growth. So let's pray. We'll get into new material. So Heavenly Father, thank you for your holy scriptures. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Father, that you don't leave us here to just try to figure it out the best we can and make our best guess. But Lord, you guide us through this life by your Holy Spirit and by your Holy Word. And Father, I pray today that you would open your Word up in power, that we would see verses in the Scriptures and that they would come alive and that they would guide us in our lives, that we would see the truth and grab hold of it and live it out. So, Father, I pray this for each individual. We're all going through different things. We're all fighting different battles. We have different obstacles in our way, and we just need something different from you. But, Lord, I know you can meet each one of us right now and give us just what we need by your Holy Spirit, and that's what I ask. Heavenly Father, please bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen. A real relationship with the living God will change you. We want to lean into our personal spiritual growth. So important. Now, do you want to see your life change for the better? You know, I hope so. I hope you want to see your life change for the better. I hope you want things to change for the better. Uh, I hope you want to be more effective in serving God. You can get more done. I want, I hope you just want your life to be richer and more beautiful. I hope that you want to grow and get better and get stronger. I hope you see the world in that way. And if you don't, let me tell you, 
It is possible for you to make progress. Don't have a static mindset where you think you're stuck. Jesus died on the cross to free us from being stuck so that we could step into new things in our life, step into godly things, the amazing things of this life. We want to grab hold of it. The good news is that a better life is there for the taking. Let me go to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, an amazing, amazing verse. Look at this. It says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. So, what more do you need for a godly life? You got everything you need. What do you have? You've got the Holy Scriptures. You've got the Holy Spirit. Guess what? You've got what you need. <laughs> you can grab hold of the good things of God. You can get to that place where you can live a godly life. And, you know, I'm thinking this is going to mean getting better. This is going to mean taking some steps up, living a better life. It's available for us for the taking. But there's bad news, too. And the bad news is that this involves some hard work. You know, getting better involves hard work. And it can involve hard work both emotionally and behaviorally. You know, when you realize you need to change, you got to kind of look at yourself and go, you know what? This isn't working anymore. You got to have that little time with yourself where you look and see that something needs to change. That's what they say. The first step is realizing that you have a problem. And guess what? I'm guessing that you've got a problem. I'm guessing I've got a problem. There's ways I can learn and grow. There's ways you can learn and grow. You know, we haven't fully arrived. We're not done yet. And maybe you're just getting started. Maybe you haven't started yet. By the time we get to the end of this service, there's going to be an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, to take off the old, to put on the new and start walking a new life. And if you need to start a new life, oh, stick around. Let's get there by the time this is done. But as we look at how to get our lives better and we realize that, you know, it's there for the taking, then I want to go to James chapter one. We're going to read verses 22 through 25. And let's look at how getting better, having your life change for the better involves both hard work emotionally and behaviorally. So here we go. James 1, starting in verse 22, it says, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently in the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So what does it say here? We're to look at the scriptures like looking in the mirror. So when we read the scriptures, it's like looking in the mirror. Why do you look in the mirror? Maybe you look in the mirror to see if your hair is in place. For me, I'm doing pretty good. You know, each day it's about the same. But I can look in the mirror to try to straighten other things out. We got to look in the mirror to see what needs to be fixed, to see what needs to be adjusted. It's not that everything is some deep evil, but you look in the mirror to see, okay, what needs to change? What do I need to do better here? What do I need to fix? You know, you might have some food in your teeth, whatever it is. You look in the mirror so that you can make an adjustment. But here James is saying that if you 
read the scriptures, but you don't do it. It's like someone looking in the mirror and they, they look and they got food in their teeth and they just walk away and forget they got food in their teeth. They don't take it out. They don't comb their hair. They don't wash their face. They don't straighten their shirt. They just go ahead and forget it. Well, why do you look in the mirror? So that you can make the change. So looking in the mirror, looking into the scriptures, this means to honestly look at yourself and see what needs to change. Compare yourself to what the Bible says a follower of Jesus is like. Are you a Christian? Are you someone who has put their faith in Jesus? Then you should look into the scriptures and see what a Christian, a person who has put their faith in Jesus, is supposed to be like. And then you make the change. The deeper you look into this, the better. But that's also more difficult because you might not like what you see. If you look superficially, it can be okay. But you start going in deeper. You start asking, why is my attitude like this? Why am I afraid of this? Why do I react quickly in this situation? And you dig deep and you dig deep and you dig deep. You might see something in there and you're like, oh no, that is not okay. That is coming from a bad place. So it can be emotionally difficult to look in the mirror, especially if you've already got some insecurities and you're worried about whether or not you measure up. If you look deep, you're going to see more faults and more problems with who you are. And that's not emotionally fun. Let me tell you, Jesus loves us right now. I've heard people say, Jesus loves you just the way you are. I'll, I'll give you this. Jesus loves you right now. And there are things he wants for you to be better in. He wants a better life for you. He wants a better outlook for you. He wants you to see this world more accurately. He wants you to be full of faith and full of hope and full of love. He loves you right now. And he loves you enough to want you to be empowered, to step up and get stronger. But that means you got to look in the mirror. You got to take that deep, honest look and compare yourselves to what the scripture says about followers of Jesus, which brings us to the next point. Then you have to actually change your habits. Don't deceive yourself by just learning trivia. One of my very favorite verses there in James, you know, where it says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. I just love that. How are we deceived by listening to the Holy Scriptures? Well, you're deceived if you think you're making personal spiritual growth progress because you've heard a whole bunch of verses, you've read a whole bunch of verses, you've memorized a whole bunch of verses. But if you're not doing any of them, you haven't actually made any progress. So you're deceived into thinking that you're growing spiritually when you're actually not. And in fact, if you know more, then you're just more disobedient, more knowingly rebellious against God than you were before. And I think that's worse. So we need to make sure that we don't deceive ourselves by not then putting into practice what we learn. So look in the mirror. Oh, I need to comb my hair. Then actually comb your hair. Oh, I need to get that broccoli out of my teeth actually get the broccoli out of your teeth. You look in the mirror like, oh, I'm deeply insecure. Okay, I need to understand who Christ has made me and figure out why I feel this insecurity. I have an anger. I get upset really quickly when I watch 
the news or I hear some report, I just get angry right away. Okay, what's going on in there? You got to go dig in deep and find out what the root is. And then you got to work to change that. You got to deal with that. You got to make some adjustments. Too many people want to talk the talk, but they don't want to do it. They don't want to put it into practice. Don't be like that. You know, you just don't want to be like that. You want to actually put into practice the teachings of Jesus. It's very, very important. Your life doesn't get better until you put into practice the teachings of Jesus. You don't get more effective. You don't make a difference for other people till you put into practice the teachings of Jesus. Don't deceive yourself. Let's apply this to the next verse in James. So if James is talking about do what the word says, don't want to just look in the mirror and forget what you look like. You want to actually deal with it. What's the very next verse? The very next verse is amazing. James 1.26. Okay, you ready? Sit down. Make sure you're ready for this. Uh, James 1.26 says, those who consider themselves religious, so this would be follower of Jesus, maybe in the terminology you use as a Christian, uh, a spiritual person, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue, deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Okay, so you look in the mirror. In the last month, in the last week, today, what words have come out of your mouth? What have you said to your friends and family? What have you said to your children or your parents? What have you said to your coworkers? or your boss, or your employees? What have you said to your teachers? What, what have you said to your students? What has come out of your mouth? What has come off your fingers? What has come off your thumbs? What Keep a tight rein. You need to be careful. Don't say something you shouldn't say. You know, there's the old adage of speaking a harsh word. It's like shooting an arrow. Once it's out, you can't take it back. And we need to be careful. Here, James is very strong. If you consider yourself to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus, someone who is, is walking in the ways of God, and you don't keep a tight rein on your tongue, then you're deceived. And it says here, their religion is worthless. Worth, is that what you're going for? Worthless religion? That's not what I'm going for. I want to do better. So what this means is you got to look. How are you using your words? Are you speaking life? Or are you speaking death? Are you speaking blessings? Are you speaking curses? Are you speaking truth? Are you speaking falsehood? What are you expressing? What's the overflow? Well, the overflow signifies what's in the heart. You got to deal with the heart. Keep a tight rein on your tongue. Put it into practice. Look in the mirror, then change your habits. So you can see you're one verse in. James 1.26, there's challenges here. This is a battle. It's hard work. Let me tell you, there's a fantastic payoff. How many problems have you had in your life because of words that you've spoken? How many problems have other people had because of words you have spoken? How many problems do you have in your heart because of words other people have spoken over you? Words are powerful. Look in the mirror, change your habits. You know, there's a very famous parable. If you've read the parable of the sower, it's in different gospel accounts, but I want to look at it from Matthew chapter 13. So in the book of Matthew, we see the account of the parable of the sower. And this is an amazing parable because it describes four types of people and only one group is effective. Only one group gets the job done. We want to be that group. We want to be the ones who have risen up and met the challenges and are making a difference. But there's three other groups. 
And so let's look at this parable and make sure we understand what the difference is. Matthew 13, starting in verse 1. We'll read the parable and then the interpretation. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. And then he explains this. If we jump to verse 18 of the same chapter, Jesus explains the parable of the sower. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So what's the difference between the four? You know, the hard path, they refuse to listen. This is described as not understanding it here as Jesus explains the parable. But, you know, there's the people, they hear the word of God, it just bounces off, and then the enemy is able to run away with it. Then the rocky ground is those who hear the word, they receive it with joy, they're excited about the forgiveness of God and going to heaven, and this is awesome, except they don't realize that there's going to be difficulties. They don't realize there's going to be hardships, that there's going to be trouble and persecution. And so when it gets hard, they quickly fall away. Like, for example, when somebody says, you need to be careful what you say, what you type, what you text, you need to be careful. You need to hold a tight rein on your tongue. If then you're like, oh, but I like to just complain and gripe and spread conspiracy theories and what if if you then if that's trouble for you, then you're quickly going to fall away because you've got to make some behavioral changes. There are those who start, but they quit because it's too hard. They can't handle the trouble or the persecutions. Then there's the thorny ground that basically just puts God at a lower priority. We talked about that earlier. What should our priorities be like? We can't do everything, so we've got to prioritize. A lot of people put Jesus fifth or eighth, you know, come to church once a month, never pray, never read the scriptures, never serve God in any way, and then they wonder why their life isn't working, why it's not coming together, why they're not growing spiritually, why they have a deep emptiness in their heart. Well, it's because you put God fifth. Don't put God fifth, put God first. The rest will be taken care of. Make sure you put God in the right place on your priority list. But then there's the good soil. The good soil listens, hears, understands, perseveres through the difficulties, both the spiritual growth, personal growth difficulties, and the exterior difficulties that come when you believe. And 
puts God in a high priority, the number one priority, serving God first, because that helps you with everything else. It doesn't take those other things away. It allows you to be able to serve in the other ways, you know, to be a greater blessing to your family, to be a better blessing at work and to get more done at work. You put God first, all these other things are going to flourish as well. So when you can put God first, persevere through the hard times, then you can make some progress. Let me tell you, you can do that. You can be the one who produces a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. You can be the one that makes a difference in this world. You can do that. You can listen and believe. You can read the word of God and believe it. You can persevere. You know, you might think things are hard. You can persevere. You can make it. God will help you. And you can lean in to God. You can do it. You can lean in to your personal spiritual growth. But my concern is that some Christians think they don't even have to try. I don't understand that. Somehow that's in the culture. I don't even have to try. Well, here's the reality. If you're going to get good at anything, you got to practice. You got to train. You got to study whatever that discipline requires. You've got to put in some effort to get good at it. And it's no different regarding our our walk with God, our personal spiritual growth. You got to lean in in order to make some progress. You got to put in some effort. You have to try. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 says this in verses 24 and 25. It says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. So we are to go into strict training to get the crown that will last forever. We're to run in such a way as to get the prize. We're to lean in to our personal spiritual growth, get good at this so that we can win, so that we can have success. You got to try <laughs> to grow spiritually. You know, it's very important. You, you can't just sort of like wait. You got to lean into this. You got to try. You got to grow. You got to run in such a way as to get the prize. You got to go into strict training. This is important. Now, when you come to Jesus, you might be perfectly forgiven, but you're not perfect yet, right? You can be perfectly forgiven, and hallelujah for that. We call that positional sanctification. You're perfectly forgiven, but there's a whole lot of personal growth you need. In this life, we fight to break free from the darkness, from the garbage that's been holding us back, the lies that we've believed, the habits that are pulling us down, the sin that so easily entangles. We strive and fight to break free of that and grab hold of the person God created us to be and to live the life he created us for and to grab hold of the good things of God. That's what we fight for. We try to grab hold of godliness. And in the end, we'll be perfected. In the end, the, the day will come where we'll be changed, the twinkling of an eye, and that's going to be great. But for now, we train to get as close as we can to the potential that God has given us. We train, we fight so that we can help others. That's what it means to produce a crop 160 or 30 times what is sown. It means that you make a difference for other people. Your life impacts other people. And you can help them or you can hurt them. Grow spiritually so you can help. And here's an observation I've got. It's fun to be good at stuff. It's fun to be getting better. 
And the opposite is also true. It's not fun to be really bad at things. It's not fun to be plateaued or to be losing ground. That's not fun. I enjoy playing disc golf. I don't know if we got any disc golfers out there, but let me tell you, chucking a piece of plastic into a tree on a on a beautiful day is just a fun thing for me. You know, I try to miss the tree and hit the fairway, get over to the basket, but sometimes I hit the tree, you know, I've I've just bent my disc. <laughs> it's fun when you get better. You get a new personal best on the course or you realize now you can throw a little farther than you could before. You can hit the basket from a little bit farther distance, you know, in the short range throws. That's fun. My wife, she comes with me, by the way. It's fantastic. Great couples activity, little disc golf. She was feeling a little discouraged because she felt like she wasn't progressing. But then we played a scramble, which means whoever has the best throw, we just go from there. That's kind of a fun way to do it if you're feeling a little discouraged. And let me tell you, she was making putts nobody else was making. She was helping the team. And it, it encouraged her. She's like, oh, yeah, this is fun. It's fun to make progress. It's fun to be good at stuff. It's fun to get better. It's no fun to be bad at something, to not make progress, and to fall back. It's frustrating to be bad at following Jesus. Don't think that's your best life, to be a believer in Jesus who is really bad at following him. That is a frustrating, painful, difficult life. Don't settle for being a hot mess when you can be more than a conqueror. Amen? Lean in to your own personal spiritual growth. But this means that you have to actually look in the mirror. You have to look into the Word of God and change. Actually put it into practice. Lean in to your own personal spiritual growth. Look into the Word. Put it into practice. All right. Last question. How much of our spiritual growth is up to us and how much of it is up to God? This is a thing where people can go in the ditch over here. They can go in the ditch over here. But let's just drive down the center of the road on this one. If you think everything is up to God, well, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> um, I've had people say things to me like, well, you know, if God wants to take away my pornography addiction, he can. You know, I'm open to that. But till then, I, you know, like I'm just thinking he must be okay with it. Like, what are you, what are you saying? That's ridiculous. You have a role to play. Don't blame God for your sinful lifestyle. That is just absolutely ridiculous. So some people think it's all up to God. And that's, that's an excuse doctrine. It's a false theology. Some people think it's all up to them. Whew, that is equally wrong. And it's a disastrous road that leads to burnout and to failure. Because if you think absolutely everything is on you and you've got no help in the universe, but it's, I need to do this or God's going to get me or wherever you are over here. Like that's not a good place to be. It's not all up to God and it's not all up to you. There's a process of leaning in and being empowered by God. So let's look at that. How does this work? Here's the deal. As we lean into our own personal spiritual growth, God empowers us by his grace. We lean in and then he empowers us by his grace. That's how that works. Your part is to lean in, but then God will help you. God will meet you there. God will empower you and strengthen you by his grace. Very important. 
How do we access the grace of God? Well, we access the grace of God by faith. I want to go to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. Hugely important. The process here for getting the victory day by day is the same as it is for getting the ultimate victory. So let's look at this. It's talking about the ultimate victory, but also daily victory. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this, not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So salvation is a gift from God given by his grace, not by our works. We don't earn our salvation, but we access the grace of God by faith. It is by grace you have been saved through faith, not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Salvation, the forgiveness of sins, the redemption, new life today and everlasting life for eternity. This is salvation, the gift of God given to us by his grace. We haven't earned it. We don't deserve it, but we access that by faith. We trust in what Jesus has done. We believe that he is the way, the truth, and the life. We put our hope in him. We access the grace of God by faith, and then that activates it in our life. We receive the forgiveness of God, and we step into new life. And we're going to have a chance to pray about that here in just a minute. So it's true of the ultimate victory of salvation that we access the grace of God by faith. And this is also true for our daily victories in Christ. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. This means that we're, we're growing, we're getting better. We're doing the things God has created in advance for us to do. We're making a difference in people's lives. He's sending us to help this person and that, to be an encouragement here and to be a blessing there. It's an amazing, wonderful thing, but it's the same process. It's the grace of God. Again, look at this. We are God's handiwork. Who made us then? God did. And he made us, you know, knit us together in our mother's womb, but he continues to make us moment by moment, day by day, when we walk by faith and we seek the Lord to empower us and to strengthen us and to help us. We lean in and he empowers us by his grace. We lean in by faith and he lifts us up. He empowers us by his grace. What do you see when you look in the mirror? I'm serious. What do you see when you look in the mirror? Don't pretend because this is what matters. You got to look, but understand Jesus loves you right now. He wants forgiveness for you right now. He wants to help you right now. He doesn't want you to be afraid to look in the mirror. He wants you to look in the mirror because just knowing what's true helps you to grow past it. But if you don't even look, you'll never get there. You'll never know why you have such a quick temper. You'll never know why you're so proud and arrogant. You'll never know why you have these triggers unless you look deep in the mirror. When you look in the mirror, what do you see? Let's lean in by faith to overcome by the grace of God. Let's lean in to our own personal spiritual growth. Read the word, put it into practice, lean into your personal growth. That's going to make your life better. That's going to make you a blessing to others. That's going to make you able to live in the full potential of what God has for you 
lean into your own personal spiritual growth. And again, the simple thing is read the word and put it into practice. And then the next level is access the grace of God by faith. Don't think it's all up to you and your willpower. Don't just wait for God and blame him when something doesn't happen. Lean in, lean in by faith to access the grace of God and he will change your heart. He will help you. So let's pray. And if you've never given your heart to Jesus, if you've never just confessed your faith in Jesus and asked for forgiveness and new life, now is your time. God is calling you to be one of his followers and a child of God, a co-heir with Christ who makes a difference in this world and has everlasting life. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Father, help us to access your grace by faith. And we thank you for salvation. We thank you that we are set free from the wages of sin, which is death, because, Lord Jesus, you have paid the full price on the cross that we could be forgiven. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. We put our faith in you. We trust in you. We believe in you. And we believe that that opens up your grace for our healing, for our forgiveness, that we can step up and serve you. So if you've never said, Jesus, I'm in, I, I want to walk with you. I want forgiveness. I want to live this new life. Then just right now, just say, Lord, I believe that what you did on the cross is enough for me to be forgiven and free. I receive forgiveness and freedom from you. Help me to walk in your ways, make a difference in this world and serve you from this day forward as I trust in everlasting life and have joy in my heart because of it. Pray that prayer and believe God. Put faith on it and receive God's blessing of salvation by his grace. Hallelujah, Lord. I thank you for your grace and mercy. Help us to continue to look in the mirror, not with fear, but knowing that when we truly see, we can learn and grow and get better. Help us to lean into our own personal spiritual growth. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.